This is our first Thanksgiving Day service in our church's long history. Forest Community Church has a six years long history, and thanks to Zoom, we now have a Thanksgiving Day service in a cozy way. For this historical Thanksgiving Day service, I want to share 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 to 14. Today's text is the last section of Peter's first letter to Gentile Christians in Asia Minor. By the way, today's text is a continuation of a daily breath, and those who haven't participated in daily breath, here is a little taste of it. Let's find out what, Paul, what was Peter's final exhortation to Christians then and us now. So 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, Be alert and of a sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. And the grace and the God of all grace, who called you to his glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. With the help of Silas, whom I regard as a faithful brother, I have written to you briefly encouraging you and testifying that this is a true grace of God. Stand fast in it. She who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, send you her greetings, and so does my son Mark. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. Peter's final exhortation was to resist the devil. Like a Paul who called the Ephesian Christians to wear the full armor of God in Ephesians chapter 6, the final chapter, Peter also concludes his letter with a theme of a spiritual warfare. And speaking of a war, truly 2020, we have engaged in a global warfare against the pandemic. Even though we don't know exactly, we don't know how exactly. The COVID-19 virus came out of Wuhan, China. Many unknown details of this deadly pathogen cannot deny and does not discount the global scale of a germ warfare in that every single human being in this world has to resist and fight. Someone half-jokingly said, the world has never been united or bounded together more than ever by COVID-19. In the lieu of this unprecedented pandemic, Peter's final exhortation and salutation gives us a timely encouragement and wisdom to celebrate Thanksgiving, even in this very difficult year. That's why I entitled today's message, Thanksgiving of a Resistance. Thanksgiving of a Resistance. I was tempted to pronounce with the French the Thanksgiving of a Resistance. You know, it's like World War II. But we should recognize 2020 Thanksgiving is a one-of-a-kind Thanksgiving. It's a wartime Thanksgiving. And I want us to know, answer to two questions. How does the devil attack us? And how do we defend ourselves and fight against the devil? In 
other words, how is our thanksgiving and gratitude is a challenge? And how can we conform and celebrate our thanksgiving? First, Peter described the devil as a roaring lion. Peter, uh, people wondered why Peter compared the devil to a lion. Some say Peter was sensing the coming persecution and often Romans entertained themselves in gladiatorial games with the wild animals hunting and devouring the prisoners of a war or criminals and later Christians. Some say that Peter was not just comparing devil to a lion, but a roaring lion. Real young lion does not roar, but quietly moves and ambushes its prey. But the Peter's lion, roaring lion, is an old lion, which is actually a scared lion, and also scares others with a roaring more than its teeth and claws, more with the sounds than strength and speed. Thus, some say that Peter meant the devil doesn't have a real power to scare us, but are actually deceiving power to scare us. And devil's a real power. The power of sin and death was completely defeated by Christ in his resurrection. Amen. Well, I don't know which interpretation fits Peter's lion, but one thing clear is our adversary devil is the enemy of God's people, and his aim is to steal our joy and thanksgiving and replace them with fear and sorrows. As Jesus said, the thief comes to steal and destroy. Devil also comes steal and destroy the joy of thanksgiving. As I said before, devil can challenge God, for he is no match to our God. But devil does challenge and attack us the precious children of God. And devil is an ultimate sour loser who wants to make his pity party as big as possible. Does he attack us to have a doubt about God's love? He attack us to complain instead of giving thanks. He attack us to blame and accuse each other instead of taking responsibility and caring for others. He prowls and looks for someone who is unprepared and uh, vulnerable. Now, how do we defend ourselves the deceptive and the deadly attack of a devil? Peter gives a very simple command to deal with the devil. Verse 9, resist him, resist him, standing firm in the faith. Peter simply tells us, resist the devil by standing on our ground. Our ground. Resist, in Greek word, is an antistemi. Antistemi simply means stand against. Stand against. When devil attacks us with a fear, I'm going to use the acronym fear. Some of you know what fear means. Fear means false evidence appearing real. That's a fear. F-E-A-R. When devil attacks with a fear, we are to stand our ground of our faith instead of running away. Wildlife rangers who studied lions in the wild tell us never to turn our back and run from charging lion. Lions are accustomed to their victims fleeing, and but standing firm and facing them bewilders and confuses the lions. 
In most cases, charging lion will stop short and turn away. The advice the Apostle Paul gave to Christians on how to contend with and overcome the evil is the same. Resist means stand up to him and be firm. So our response should not be a panic or fear or even flight, but a firm resistance through faith of Christ in us. Peter's exhortation to resist the devil with the faith has another important theological truth and spiritual fact. That is, we stand up and stand up and stand against the devil together. When Peter said resist him, that was a plural, plural in an imperative. And he said, because you know that family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. So when you fight, you fight with a family in your mind. We fight as a family of God. We don't just fight against the devil, but we fight against the enemy together with the family of believers. By the way, the way the devil attacks us is the divide and conquer. If you look at the verse 8 again, your enemy devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Devil looks for someone, not some people. Someone. What is that someone? Someone isolated from the family of God. So when you look at the way the lions and cheetahs attack its prey in Discovery Channel or YouTube, what do you see? They usually zero on, on in or close in the one animal, usually young, immature one, stray from the herd. That's how our enemy attack us. Devil isolate us and annihilate each one of us at a time. Devil separate us from fellowship and swallow each one of us one by one. That's one of the reasons that we pray for our MIA brothers and sisters during the pandemic and reach out to them and remind them that we are praying for them and they are not alone. Even though they cannot make our church, let them know that we are with them in spirit and that they are in our hearts and prayers. So now, Peter gives a not only exhortation for us to fight together in our resistance to devil, but also here Peter gives a wonderful example of his very wisdom in his final greetings in verse 12 to 14. Peter said, with the help of Silas, whom I regard as a faithful brother, I've written you briefly, encouraging you and testifying this is a true grace of God. Stand fast in it. She who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, sends you her greeting, and so does my son Mark. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. Here, Peter mentions three other people's names. Silas, the church of Rome, whom he describes as she who is in Babylon, that is a church of Rome. By the way, why do the Peter and the many early church fathers describe church as a mother or a female? The church is both the bride of Christ and the mother of all God's children. Again, the language of a female or mother does not signify weakness, but strength and care. And then last person they mentioned is Mark. What is a common you know, characteristic or common denominator among Silas of Church of Rome and Mark and even Peter? They all know the persecution 
on the first hand. Silas was a missionary companion of Paul. In Acts 16, we saw Paul and Silas falsely accused and beaten and imprisoned in the jail of Philippi. Do you remember a story that after torture, in the middle of the night in prison, they were praising God for their glorious, their suffering for glory of Christ, and all the prisoners were heard. And then, you know, the supernatural, whatever, you know, I call it original jail rock, you know, broke out. God shook and, you know, okay, you read Acts 16. Now Silas was helping Peter as is a letter writer or, you know, ancient people call amanuensis, the uh, uh, writing assistant. And the church of Rome, or she who is in Babylon, was the first Christian church in history which was about to go through the vicious, a malicious and violent, brutal persecution of a Nero. And then just in a few years after this letter was written, Church of Rome experienced most brutal persecution and violent tribulation. By the way, that's how the Church of Rome became the mother of all churches, or at least the Roman Catholic churches. It was her suffering and persecution and her steadfast faith earned that title, the mother of all churches. Now, Mark, the third person, Mark, is very interesting. He was a missionary companion of Paul and Barnabas before Silas joined the team. And if you look at the Acts chapter 13, 13, chapter 13, verse 13, Mark deserted Paul and Barnabas for the difficulty of a missionary life and the fear of a suffering in the area called Pamphylia. So Mark was a failed missionary and a coward, actually a rich bread who failed miserably in Christian ministry. But by now, he was restored and became a missionary companion. And he, was, he became a mentee. He was mentored by Peter. Once uh, Peter, who is a Peter, by the way, another you know, uh, failed apostle and restored by Christ. The special bond between uh, Peter and Mark actually is a very heartwarming because their relationship came out of their shared experience of a failing God or experiencing fear negatively. Their story inspires me because they became a wounded healers. They are not impeccable, invincible winners, but they were persistent and resistance, resistant winners at the end. And Mark and Peter, once failed apostle and missionary, becoming a father and son in Christ, that is really heartwarming. So the names in Peter's salutation shows us they are the real people like us who experience the fear and worry and anxiety of following Christ. Sometimes we succeed, sometimes we fail. But at the end, like them, they, I mean, these brothers and these brothers, they are together in ministering the church of Rome in the heart of empire, even though that empire was soon to be erupt in persecution they were encouraging Gentile Christians in Asia Minor and all of us throughout the history who are facing the attacks of the devil and temptation of the world. Now Peter gives us a, a beautiful benediction, verse 10 and 11. 
grace of our, uh, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ. After you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong and firm and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen.